1: Welcome to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. This program was originally broadcast live on 93.9 KPDQ. We hope you enjoy the show.
2: Well, good afternoon, Portland and Seattle. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show on 93.9 KPDQ Portland and now 8:20 a.m. the word in Seattle. Honored to join the Christian community in Seattle to talk about what's going on here in the Pacific Northwest and all around the country with the scriptures. A say about the age we're living in and how we can speak truth in love to a hostile culture. There's a lot to talk about, and we'll dive in here in just a moment. Now, on Fridays, we do something a little bit different. We take a look at some of the headline news, but we also look at the lighter side of the news before our stations split. So we'll begin with some of the day's news. Well, former President Donald Trump plans to skip the first Republican primary. I guess it's not altogether a surprise. There was some suspicion He's not going to be in the debate on Wednesday and will instead sit for an interview with Tucker Carlson. Not sure where that will be heard or seen. The debate night's uh, night plan first reported in The New York Times was finalized in recent days after the former president spent weeks crowd testing the question with campaign crowds and waffling on the topic of private discussions with advisors. Well, the exact timing of the Tucker Carlson interview is still up in the air. But if the sit down streams live on X, the platform formerly known as Twitter, during the debate time slot, it could simultaneously strike a blow against Fox and diminish Trump's Republican primary opponents, all of whom are currently running well behind the front runner. Reagan didn't do it and neither did others. People know my record, one of the best ever, he said of himself. So why would I debate? Trump wrote in Truth Social on Thursday. So mystery solved. Meanwhile, Hillsong founder Brian Houston has been found not guilty of concealing his father's sexual abuse Uh, His abuse of a young boy, the Australian court ruled on Thursday that while Houston did not report his father's crimes to the police when he learned about them in the 1990s, the evidence does not prove beyond a reasonable doubt that he did not have a reasonable excuse. I am not my father, he said, leaving the courthouse in Sydney. I did not commit this offense, and I feel a sense of relief that at least the truth has come out. Houston and his father's abuse victim uh, sat yards apart in a tiny courtroom in Sydney's Downing Center as magistrate uh, delivered the judgment. It took almost two hours to read uh, as the um, uh, verdict was finally announced. Hunter Biden's misdemeanor tax charges have been dismissed by a federal judge in Delaware. An expected move after a sweetheart plea deal fell through last month during his first court appearance in that case. The Justice Department submitted a filing last week to dismiss the case ahead of a possible trial on Biden's felony gun charge in a different district. Well, after the plea deal fell apart, Biden pleaded not guilty as federal prosecutors confirmed he is still under federal investigation. He was expected to uh, uh, plead guilty to the two misdemeanor tax counts of willful failure to pay federal income tax as part of the plea deal to avoid jail time on the felony gun charge. Biden's attorneys and special counsel David Weiss, they're still fighting over a diversion agreement concerning the felony charge that would allow him to avoid any jail time. Weiss has indicated he plans to potentially take Biden to trial in the future in either Washington, D.C. or in California. Presidential candidate Vivek Ramon I can never say this name correctly, Ram, well, Vivek, shared a list of what he called 10 Truths to Social Media Thursday with references to faith, gender and capitalism. A biotech entrepreneur who's seeking the Republican nomination, he shared the ideals on X, starting with God is real and there are only two genders. The latter being the contentious claim by those on the left. The list also promotes the importance of fossil fuels, condemns reverse racism, defends the role of parents in choosing their own children's education and boasts the U.S. Constitution as the strongest generator of uh, freedoms in history. A state senator in Georgia is moving to impeach Fulton County District Attorney Fannie Willis. Over the charges brought against former President Trump, the Georgia state senator, Colton Moore, is moving to impeach Willis, accusing the prosecutor of carrying out a political agenda against the former president. As a Georgia state senator, I am officially calling... For the emergency session to review the actions of Fannie Willis, more said on social media Thursday, America is under attack. I'm not going to sit back and watch radical left prosecutors politically target political opponents, he added. He also published a letter to Georgia Governor Brian Kemp to demand a special session be called to address the actions of Fannie Willis. We, the undersigned, being duly elected members of the Georgia House of Representatives and Georgia Senate, and comprising three fifths of each respective house pursuant to article four, section two, paragraph seven, hereby certify to you in writing with a copy of this uh, to the secretary of state that in our opinion, an emergency exists in the affairs of the state requiring a special session to be convened under that section for all purposes to include without limitation the review and response to the actions of Fannie Willis. Well, I learned later this afternoon that the Georgia governor Uh, Brian Kemp's office says the state senator seeking to impeach the prosecutor handling the Georgia case against the former president has not provided evidence that he has the necessary support to call a special session in a letter to the governor filed on Thursday. That's precisely what um, what was requested. We have not been provided any evidence to support that assertion. A spokesman for the governor has said we'll continue to follow that story. The Federal Election Commission must consider whether it needs uh, needs to set rules to prevent political campaigns from using artificial intelligence to create ads intended to deceive voters as the 2024 election cycle moves into full swing. An AI image analyst is suggesting the FEC will need to consider whether and how to regulate a campaign's use of manipulated media in the service of its own candidacy. Annie Farad, a University of California Berkeley professor, wrote in a recent opinion piece for The Hill. Manipulating the photographic record is only the first step in spreading lies. Presidential campaigns have already started using artificial intelligence to deceptively manipulate their campaign ads. Most notably, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis campaign used A.I. generated audio and video to criticize former President Trump policies, such as one portraying a fictional image of Trump affectionately hugging Anthony Fauci. The issue, however, is not fundamentally one of A.I. or technology, but of the standard to which we want to hold our current and future leaders. Farid said to this end, it seems eminently reasonable to insist that our politicians be truthful. Well, isn't that a thought? A California Bay Area district board is being slammed over its costly decision to strip Concord High School of its long standing mascot. The Minutemen Concord, a town roughly 30 miles outside of San Francisco, was named after Concord, Massachusetts, the site of the famous battles of Lexington and Concord during the American Revolutionary War. The high school is tossing the mascot named after the historic Minutemen who fought against the British in favor of the Bears, following a 4-1 vote on Wednesday by the Mount Diablo Unified School District Board. Matt Shoup, the Republican Party chairman of the Contra Costa County, where the school is located, Said it is disgusting. Uh, it's disrespectful uh, of those who fought and sacrificed to defeat ty- uh, tyranny and ultimately found our great founded our great nation. And to add insult to injury, they're replacing it with a meaningless and trite mascot that viciously murders small animals. End quote. But he went on. These woke schools need to prioritize teaching math, reading and writing to catch up from the educational loss during the pandemic rather than spitting on the memories of our veterans. He added, well, according to NBC Bay Area, the uh, district has one year to implement the mascot change, which is estimated to cost roughly two hundred thousand dollars, something Shoup called a dramatic waste of money that has hundreds of better uses. Well, Politico editor Michael Schaefer demanded in a recent column that liberals stop the progressive hero worship of those prosecuting former President Trump. Please, please stop with the progressive hero worship of Jack Smith and Tanya Chutkin. A headline from a column published in Politico magazine read, Schaefer argued that Trump's only hope has uh, was claiming that legal system has been politicized and wondered why liberals were helping him. The political editor also described indictment-themed merchandise on Etsy stores, hailing Chutkin with shirts that say, Judge Chutkin Fan Club. Trump was indicted for a fourth time out of Fulton County, Georgia, on Tuesday. Well, Ford CEO Jim Farley experienced a common complaint from electric vehicle owners during his cross-country road trip and the automobile maker's electric pickup truck, calling it a reality check. Charging has been pretty challenging, he said on X, the social media website formerly known as Twitter. And yes, at some point we'll stop adding that formerly known as Twitter. It was a really good reality check of the challenges of what your customers, our customers, go through and the importance of fast charging. And uh, what we're uh, going to have to do to improve the charging experience. His comments came during his round trip across Route 66 and Ford's latest electric vehicle venture, the F-150 Lightning. The CEO documented his experience on both X and LinkedIn. Well, the headline read, Hawaii Electric new equipment was not safe for years. And the Wall Street Journal published that during the 2019 wildfire season, one of the world's Uh, Worst uh, Maui had ever had, Uh, Hawaiian Electric concluded that it needed to do far more to prevent its power lines from emitting sparks. The utility examined California's plan to reduce fires ignited by power lines, started flying drones over its territory and vowed to take action to take steps to protect its equipment and its customers from the threat of fire. Nearly four years later, the company has completed little such work. Between 2019 and 2022, it invested less than $245,000 on wildfire-specific projects on the island. Regulatory filings show it didn't seek state approval to raise rates to pay for broad wildfire safety improvements until 2022 and has yet to receive it. Well, now the company is facing scrutiny, litigation, and a financial crisis over indications that its power lines might have played a role in igniting the deadliest U.S. wildfire in more than a century. The blaze has caused at least 110 deaths, destroyed the historic town of Lahaina, and resulted in an estimated billions of dollars in damage. The fire's cause hasn't been determined, but mounting evidence suggests the utility's equipment was involved. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. We'll be back in a moment.
1: You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ.
2: Hey, welcome back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. We're taking a look at some of the uh, day's headlines and coming up, a look at the lighter side of the news. James Blend will join me for that part of today's program. Well, the terrorist attacks of September 11th, 2001 stole the lives of two thousand nine hundred and seventy seven innocent people on U.S. soil in a series of attacks targeting icons of the United States, freedom and prosperity. Well, now more than two decades later, five of the evil individuals responsible for planning the attack could be spared the most serious punishment as a result of plea deals with American officials overseeing their prosecution. The troubling revelation came to light after a letter sent from federal law enforcement and military leaders to families of 9-11 victims with news of the potential plea agreements was attained by the Associated Press. The letter explained to families of those killed by al-Qaeda terrorists that the office of the chief prosecutor has been negotiating and is considering entering into pre-trial agreements. Even though no plea agreements have been finalized per the letter, it's possible that a PTA in this case, could remove the possibility of the death penalty. While well, reports the U.S. government is negotiating a plea deal with 9-11 architect Khalid Sheikh Mohammed, is um, infuri- infuriating, rather. it's the latest development in a long-running travesty, and we'll continue to follow that story. Meanwhile, Katie Pavlich reports that House Oversight Committee Chairman James Comer is calling on the National Archives and Records Administration to turn over documents related to then-Vice President Joe Biden's work in Ukraine while his son Hunter Biden was getting paid $80,000 a month by a notoriously corrupt Ukrainian gas company, Burisma. Comer is seeking unredacted documents and communications in which then-Vice President Biden used a pseudonym Hunter biden Eric Schwerin and Devin Archer uh, is... Um, is copied and all drafts of the then Vice President Biden speech delivered to the Ukrainian Rada in December of 2015. Well, archives released a handful of other emails, some redacted with other private communications. And Comer said he needed the fully redacted, rather unredacted emails, making what is known as a special access request to the National Archives. Attached to this email and made available on the NARA website is a document that indicates at 9 a.m. on May 27, 2016, Vice President Biden took a call with the president of Ukraine, uh, he added, it is uh, concerning to the committee, however, that this document was sent to Robert Peters, a pseudonym the committee has identified as then Vice President Biden. Additionally, the committee questions why the then Vice President's son, Hunter Biden, the own and uh, only Hunter Biden, was copied on this email to then Vice President Biden. Again, the plot thickens. Well, House Judiciary Committee Chairman Jim Jordan subpoenaed the Department of Justice and the FBI for documents on Thursday related to allegations. They worked with social media companies to censor First Amendment protected content, including the Hunter Biden laptop story in 2020. Jordan told Attorney General Merrick Garland and FBI Director Christopher Wray in letters accompanying the subpoenas that the documents would help his committee investigation into how and the extent to which. The executive branch has coerced and colluded with companies and other intermediaries to censor speech. Well, the chairman asked that both the Department of Justice and FBI provide him with all internal documents and communications involving the moderation, suppression or removal of content on private companies' platforms. He gave them a deadline of September 15th to deliver the material. We'll keep our eyes and ears open. Well, Democrats are demanding... um, Uh, You submit to their will, Gavin Newsom. Earlier this year, California Democrats quietly introduced a piece of state legislation to amend state law on classroom disruptions. And while ostensibly aimed at preventing the harassment of school officials, the bill's real intention is to make examples of parents who dare defend their children against the predations of left wing ideology. Well, California Democrats would like to criminalize. Causing disorder, in quotes, at school board meetings. They introduced Senate Bill 596 in February, accompanied with a short press release, but little media fanfare. Well, now as the bill appears to uh, set uh, to make its way through committee, parental rights activists and experts are sounding the alarm. One executive director of Californians for Equal Rights Foundation, a parental rights group, spoke about the bill's real intention: criminalizing contest and dissent. In local school district manufactures false accusations of disorderly conduct when concerned parents exercise their constitutional rights and speak up against woke indoctrination. The bill is shamelessly intended to target, intimidate and smear parents and local community members advocating for better education, transparency and accountability. Meanwhile, the average mortgage rate rose to seven point zero nine percent, its highest level in more than 20 years. According to data released Thursday by the mortgage giant Freddie Mac, the increase extends a lengthy stretch of high borrowing costs that's uh, slowed the housing market to a crawl. This marked the first time since last fall that the rate on a 30-year fixed rose above 7%. A year ago, the rate was 5%. The housing market is market part of the economy, hit most directly by the Federal Reserve's high-rate policies. Admiral Rachel Levine Assistant Secretary for Health for the Department of Health and Services, who is transgender, um, praised an Alaska gender clinic while promoting a revisionist ideas about biological sex, including eliminating the word mother from K-12 through science classes. Levine visited the Identity Alaska on the 6th of this month, stating these inspiring people work tirelessly to create a more equitable future where all those living in the U.S. have Equal access to life-saving medical care. Identity Alaska actively promotes radical ideas about biological sex in its resource section called Gender Inclusive Biology. Uh, they publish resources that recommend replacing the word mother with egg producer or carrier. The terms gestational parent or birth parent are um, also good words to de-gender language, the clinic mentions. Much of the clinic's guidance comes from gender-inclusive biology. It's a curriculum guide that seeks to adapt existing biology to grow a gender-inclusive curriculum. Gender-inclusive biology tells teachers to ask questions such as, how can we affirm our transgender and intersex students when we talk about X and Y chromosomes? In other words, let's just modify what we know to be true In science, how will students with same-sex parents interpret and internalize our lessons about meiosis and sexual reproduction? And can we create safe spaces of scientific exploration and protect trans youth in schools? The curriculum is specifically designed for science teachers. Men aren't exempt from gender-neutral language changes. Identity Alaska's resources recommend that men be called testicle-having people or those with testicles. Excuse my French. Senator Joe Manchin was one of the key forces behind the Inflation Reduction Act we now know is misnamed. Of course, we knew that from the beginning. It was signed into law in 2022, but since it passed, he's evolved his views of the legislation and its implementation. Manchin, once a fierce champion of the bill, has questioned the ways the Biden administration has carried out the law. Since the original incarnation of President Joe Biden's climate and health care bill, Manchin has been a critic and a deciding vote. Anheuser-Busch heir Billy Bush said that he would be the first to buy back Bud Light should the beer parent company AB InBev want to sell it. If they don't want that brand any longer, sell it back to the Bush family, he says. Speaking to OutKick's host, Tommy Laren. sell it to me. I'll be the first in line to buy the brand back from you and we'll make that brand great again. I huh, want to be baseball caps for that. Bush explained how disheartening it was has been to watch the beer brand which was so much a part of his childhood, lose its legacy of valuing its customers and employees. Hey, you're listening to the Georgine Rice Show. Quick break. We'll be back.
1: You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. is aired on ninety three point nine KPDQ.
2: Hey, welcome back. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show. As is our custom, in the second half of the first hour of the Friday show, if you follow that, uh, I invite uh, my producer James Blend, to join me. To take a look at the lighter side of the news james blend i'd like to introduce you to our new audience a new part of the family 8:20 a.m the word in seattle
3: well it's good to talk to seattle go mariners uh, you know that got to say things relevant so there you go there we go
2: well taking a look at the lighter side of the news is something we've done for quite some time and so we're going to start out with uh, an interesting story you know this is still travel season And I noted one traveler um, who was livid over a bizarre surcharge on a takeaway receipt. And the story uh, pointed out that most people expect a surcharge or two for specific off menu requests when dining out. But one traveler says there's no jurisdiction, no justification, if you will, for the bizarre extra cost he found on his receipt while in an Italian tourist hotspot. Well, he was traveling to the popular European destination Lake Como from Milan He decided to treat himself to a takeaway lunch where he bought a sandwich, coffee, Coca-Cola and a bottle of water, each priced individually. Okay, so good so far. The traveler paid the bill at bar's pace um, at the lake's northern end and then left the establishment. It wasn't until after that that he noticed a strange charge on the receipt that didn't make any sense. Uh, Unbelievable, but true. The man posted to TripAdvisor after noticing that there was a... um, what is it, a two pound? I'm not sure what their unit of uh, currency is. Anyway, a surcharge beside the word meaning cut in half in English. Well, in Australian dollars, the surcharge amounts to approximately three dollars and 40 cents. So cut in half. He had a sandwich. Did they charge him three dollars, the, the equivalent of three dollars and 40 cents To cut a sandwich in half. Well, the baffling fee was enough for the man to leave a one-star review on the venue's TripAdvisor page, prompting the restaurant's owner to respond, defending their decision. Additional requests have a cost, he wrote. He was the restaurant owner. We had to use two plates instead of one. And the time to wash them is doubled. And then two placemats. It wasn't a simple toasted sandwich. There was also french fries inside. Yeah. It took us time to cut that sandwich in two. Well, he continued explaining the customer didn't bat an eye at the surcharge until after he'd paid. She claims that uh, she would have removed the fee. Had the man clarified, he didn't want the sandwich to be cut in half. Apparently it wasn't even a request. It was cut in half and they charged a surcharge.
3: Beware when traveling. I guess so. I, you know, I'd, uh, we are on vacation next week and, uh, any any travel plans for you?
2: No, I'm going to staycation. Staycation. You know, I've got my mom; she's 92, living with us. We might make our way to the Oregon coast, but other than that, traveling is a major undertaking.
3: Now you know, remember my last vacation, and, and the Seattle listeners won't, won't know this story, so it's it'll be a fun uh, anecdote. Was uh, when uh, we surprised our eight-year-old daughter with uh, a trip to Disneyland on Christmas Day. Yes. And got to the airport, and the flight was canceled, and we wound up driving from Portland to Anaheim, um, which was an adventure in and of itself. And so, and can- this is in December. And this was in December. And unlike typical winters in Southern California, it rained the entire time we were there. <laughs> and so we promised our daughter, that uh, when we have our vacation, we will go back to Disneyland in the summer when it is nice and warm and no rain because it doesn't rain in August in California. It doesn't rain in July. In Cal- it doesn't rain most of the year in California. Right. We arrive on Sunday a few hours ahead of Hurricane Hillary.
2: <laughs> Perfect timing once again.
3: Perfect timing once again. So, you know, I guess, it's suffice to say, we don't know exactly what we're going to be getting into, but uh, and it should clear up about a day after we get there, but um, the uh, the reality of it is I think another adventure is brewing.
2: Yeah, I think that's probably true. But, you know, you're from the Pacific Northwest, sort I'm, of.
3: Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm not a native, but I'm certainly well-adjusted.
2: You're made of stern stuff.
3: And uh, I can handle a little rain, which, you know, people in Southern California, they, they don't like the stuff very much, so they tend to stay indoors, and I... And that gives, you know, hopefully really short lines on the rides.
2: Well, there you go. There's the bright side. Exactly. Well, high up in the Swiss Alps, a hundred Alphorn players assembled on a windswept pasture. What players? Alphorn. 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 One word. Alphorn. Alphorn.
3: Never heard of one.
2: To make uh, the mountains ring in gentle harmonies at the 22nd International Alphorn Festival. Well, the players formed a wide semicircle. You know that there's very long Swiss Alp, um, you know, the Alpine horns. You stand upright, and it, it at an angle, goes oh, yeah, all the way the to the ground. Oh, the commercials. It, it, I, okay, there you yeah, go. And then it curves yeah, up.
3: I'm looking at one now. Yeah, the, the
2: Ricola! Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. They formed a wide semicircle above the uh, ski resort of Haut-Nandes in um, southern Switzerland for the country's annual Alphorn competition that celebrates the musical instrument in its native landscape. Several hundred spectators made the cable car trip or trekked up the mountainside to sit amongst the wildfires... Flowers, not fires. A little distraction <laughs> Wow. <laughs> it's a whole different event. Yes. At uh, 2,200 meters above sea level and hear the country's top players in mass.
3: So the hills were alive with the sound of music? They were. And I, did they, did, I wonder if uh, anybody won a lifetime supply of Recollect, because that just seems like the right gift to give away there.
2: No, I'll have to look that up.
3: Yeah, definitely.
2: Well, driving rain, rivers of mud and traffic jams in northern Germany led organizers of the Walken Open Air, billed as the world's biggest heavy metal festival, to ask fans Tuesday to stay away. The giant annual outdoor event known as WOA or Whoa, is set to a kickoff with 85,000 headbangers due to descend on the venue of farmland and cow pasture to hear 150 bands on eight stages over four days. But not so much. Driving rain, rivers of mud, traffic jams. Although often a muddy affair, it's facing severe accessibility problems this year, prompting both promoters and police to tell anyone who has not yet arrived at the showgrounds to turn around and go back. The persistent, difficult weather situation with rain quantities of around 40 liters per square meter. Is the last in the last 24 hours and the resulting conditions on the campgrounds, fairgrounds and access routes means that the area could not be made ready in time. And the big headbanger event has been canceled. I thought you'd want to know.
3: Well, I, I'm just glad that uh, for our Portland area listeners that uh, the the weather will be better tomorrow for Fish Fest down in Salem. Uh, we have to deal with that. It may be a little warm, but not as warm as it's been this week. And uh, great day of music.
2: No driving rain.
3: No driving rain. No mud. No, that's my Sunday. That's my Sunday when I'm in Anaheim.
2: (laughs) You're actually going into that.
3: Yeah, I've chosen apparently to go into that type of weather.
2: (sighs) French's and Skittles. They've announced what the uh, The pair are calling... Yes, French's, mustard, and Skittles. Announce what the pair are calling summer's tangiest yellow candy. French's mustard-flavored Skittles. Oh, no. The candy-coated... Brains in the boardroom of one of America's most famous candies are teaming up with a nearly 120 year old condiment company to create the unique treat ahead of National Mustard Day.
3: Brains may be an overstatement here.
2: Yeah. Skittles is always looking to inspire moments of everyday happiness and deliver unexpected ways for fans to experience the brand, says the marketing director, who may or may not still have a job. Interesting that's why, use of happiness. Yeah, that's why we've teamed up with French's to create the first of its kind, Skittles, that combines their tangy mustard flavor with our iconic chewy texture to deliver this unique summer treat for National Mustard Day. I think we need to take a break to recover.
3: No, just no. No, I mean, not no to the break. I mean, no to the, but yeah, I, I need to recover in more ways than one. I need to maybe grab a Sprite, settle the stomach, stomach down a bit.
2: <laughs> we're going to take a quick break. We'll be back and we'll continue to take a look at some of the lighter side of the news.
1: You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Hey,
2: we're back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. James Blend has joined me to take a look at Some of the lighter side of the news. 17 sets of twins started school in one town. There must be something in the water there. Uh, The teachers are seeing double many times over with the first day of school around the corner. 17 sets of twins are primed to enroll this fall. The catch, they're all from the same Scottish town of Greenock. Um, It's been aptly nicknamed Twinner Clyde. Well, St. Patrick's and... um, Andrew Wagon Primary are welcoming three sets of twins each into Primary One uh, this fall, marking a record year for twin intake, the second highest on record.
3: Twin take in fuel.
2: Twin take, there twin you take. go. Um, it has become an annual tradition there uh, as uh, we become known to welcome our twins into Primary One. Uh, the deputy provost of at St. Patrick's said the elementary school recently held a dress rehearsal ahead of the academic year of, as excitement builds among the pupils. But schools are not without the children, staff and families who make them. And it's uh, great to see some of the next generation come through here and uh, celebrate coming together. 1.6 million twins are born annually around the world. That's according to research from Oxford that reported a record number of twin births in 2021. But, um, Inverclyde has always been known for its high rates of twins with 147 sets attending the local schools in the past decade. In 2015 alone, 19 pair. Uh, they began school at the same time. So there might be something in the water. In there very school. well may be. Yeah, kind of an uh, an interesting thing. Well, let's see, where do we want to go from here? Well, usually Somewhere. Somewhere when chi- would be good. Yeah. Usually when your child gets... Head lice, you desperately try every method to try to kill them ASAP. One of Aussie's uh, moms um, has taken the opposite approach. She doesn't want to harm them uh, at all. Duh. Well, she refuses to get rid of her daughter's head lice because she's vegan. Oh, boy. (laughs) According to a concerned parent who wrote in an advice column, her neighbor won't treat her daughter's lice because she's vegan and vegans don't kill living things. She explains my seven-year-old daughter is best friends with a girl next door whose families are vegan. Uh, That's fine. We respect their choice. My problem is that recently this otherwise delightful child was uh, at our house and scratching furiously. And I discovered she was crawling with head lice. After mentioning the nits to the girl's mom, the mom said she was aware of them, but didn't want to harm them as vegans don't kill anything, including head lice. Mm-hmm. She told me she was in the practice of combing the lice and nits into the garden uh, where they had the best chance of survival. Oh, boy. The post continued and my jaw hit the floor. She then asked the advice columnist what she should do now. I don't want to separate the kids, but there's no way combing them into the garden is going to work. Industrial grade pesticide barely works. And I don't want my daughter covered in vermin. Well, the agony um, aunt told the poster that uh, what she really thought that the other mom was sanctimonious twit or knit in this case uh, she then went on to say that she actually is a monster who was uh, condemning the nets to a slow and painful death as they wouldn't be able to survive in the garden <laughs> <laughs> then she jokingly advised the poster to take matters into her own hands and set up the bathroom to play hairdressers and remove the lice herself However, she warned that this could upset the other mom should she find out. Could be worth it, though.
3: Wow, that's uh,
2: poor girl.
3: Yeah, that that you know. I thankfully, it, uh, I've not had to deal with that with my daughter at this point so far. But uh, I can assure you uh, that uh, that should they ever be found upon her scalp, that they would all be on very borrowed time.
2: In your garden.
3: No. <laughs> I mean, unless unless my daughter felt really bad about it and wanted to bury them afterwards, then they'd be in the garden. But no, they'd be go. very, 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 dead. very dead. Very dead. Very dead.
2: Well, apparently we've been um, using Band-Aids all wrong. Okay. And there's a new tutorial to tell you how to apply them correctly. A life hack expert has revealed the correct way to use a Band-Aid and it's leaving people baffled. Jordan Howlett of San Diego took a t- took to TikTok to demonstrate how to bandage a finger wound correctly in a video that has scored more than 2 million views. We've been putting band-aids on incorrectly this entire time. He explained in the clip, if you have a cut on your finger, the band-aid was actually meant to be put on a certain type of way. That's a quote, a certain type of way. The video player is currently playing an ad. Well, the average person might slap the band-aid on a, They're a paper cut by wrapping the adhesive strip around the circumference of their finger. But Howlett insists his method is more effective. Leave the paper on the Band-Aid and you want to get scissors. Okay, it's already too complicated.
3: Yeah, you're bringing tools into it. Yeah.
2: Uh, You're going to cut a line right down the middle of the top of the bottom part. Okay. He sliced the sticky strips of the Band-Aid down the middle, stopping before cutting to the non-plastic protective cushion. When applying the freshly cut Band-Aid, he made a type of braided pattern with the adhesive sides. Oh, no, this is not going to happen. But he goes on, which cross over each other for secure placement. Therefore, you have your finger perfectly wrapped and the adhesive does not let it come off your finger. Okay. So you've been using Band-Aids all wrong. You actually have to have a degree to figure it and tools to figure it out.
3: Yeah, you need the first aid kit not to get the Band-Aid out, but uh, to actually use the fall kit to apply said bandage. And you may want
2: to go back to school for a medical degree just in case. (laughs) Yeah, removal. I'm just I'm not sure at all what that would entail. Well, an employee at a driving school in Colorado made an unforgettable entrance into the building on Tuesday last while attempting to park his Hyundai Tucson and a spot in front of the community driving school in Wadsworth Boulevard and Lakewood. The driver accidentally drove straight, straight into the building. Now, again, this is an employee at the Colorado driving school. Lakewood police shared a photo of the crash, which showed most of the car stuck inside the driving school's front window under a sign that said, learn to drive. Shattered glass and broken bricks could be seen surrounding the vehicle. Thankfully, there were there was only one minor injury. And it's not altogether clear if the uh, employee is still working at the driving school.
3: The the funny part was I've seen this picture and it may be one of my favorite photos ever. I mean, it's just it, it's epic seeing the you know the learn yeah. to drive and the vehicle in there. I think the biggest surprise when I saw this story earlier this week or late last week or whenever it was was that it wasn't a student that no, caused
2: this. It wasn't employee because that was
3: my first thing is like oh oh that poor teacher. And then to find out oh it was the teacher. <laughs> Although I will say um, and uh, um, I, I shan't name names, but. Uh, Years after I graduated high school, I got cut off badly at an intersection by someone. And as they were going past, I realized the person who had broken that traffic law and nearly hit me had been my driving instructor in high school.
2: Well, there seems to be a lesson to be learned. (laughs) Maybe
3: maybe, uh, some of them need to rethink their professions, but there are a lot of good ones out there, I'm sure. Those just happened to be two of them that
2: weren't. That weren't. Well, a driver was injured on Sunday afternoon after crashing a car into the second floor of a home in Pennsylvania. Second floor? Now, this wasn't on a slope. It wasn't on a hillside. He had to work really hard to somehow crash the car into the second floor of a home. The Junction Fire Company, who responded to the bizarre scene within minutes, said the crash happened at about 3.15 in the afternoon. They arrived to find the driver's side of the vehicle lodged into a second floor room. Photos showed the passenger side of the vehicle came to rest on the roof while the truck and um, uh, while the trunk, rather, and rear tires hung off the home. Uh, The fire officials didn't immediately say how the vehicle ended up on the second floor, but said later that the driver struck a uh, culvert, which may have caused the driver to um, lose control and become airborne. The driver of the vehicle was transported to a local um, uh, hospital in an unknown condition for treatment, rescue crews helped cover the damage uh, the area of the home ahead of uh, a looming storm.
3: You know, it's one of those things where radio is an is an, you know, an audio medium, and boy, the picture from the last story and the picture I'm looking at now from this story make me really regret that. I, I can't encourage people <laughs> enough to go and Google these photos because they are epic, and uh, you have the time to do it because uh, you know we have a break.
2: We do have a break. Hey, you're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. We've got news and traffic coming up here at the top of the hour. So Seattle, have a great weekend. Portland, stick around. We'll be back with a Christian outlook.
1: Thanks for listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. If you'd like more information on today's guests, please visit the show at kpdq.com and like us on Facebook and join us live every weekday at four for more critical thinking for critical times on 93.9 KPDQ